The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on one-on-one with poppy chulo created by poppy chulo one-on-one showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers here's your host poppy chulo welcome to one-on-one with poppy chulo today is wednesday june 10th 2015. Listeners, please welcome hip-hop artist, exotic dancer, and all-around adult entertainer and entrepreneur, King Noir. Welcome to the show, King. Yes, yes. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Certainly excited to have you on because you're a man with many hats that I can't wait to explore each different hat that you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. I, um... I'm diverse and, you know, a lot of layers that we can start peeling off, you know. Exactly. So let's start peeling off the layers. And typically during these one-on-one interviews, I like to get stats out the way. So what's your height and weight? I am 5'11", 165. What's your ethnic background? My mother's family is African-American. My father's family is German and Italian-American. What's your zodiac sign? Capricorn. And how old are you? Now, I got to give you an industry age or... No, I'm just saying. uh, I'm 34. That's what's up. So, let's get to know the man behind the performer. Where are you originally from? I'm a Jersey boy. Uh, I grew up between Teaneck, Jersey City, and Camden, New Jersey. What was life like growing up for you? What was King Noir like as a kid, as a teenager? Well, I was raised raised by my mother and my grandmother. Uh, My my grandmother was, I guess, the tough love that most people get from their fathers, and my mother was still tough love too somehow, but a very loving woman, very into education. She's a health educator. So, you know, a lot of the school nurses in New Jersey were trained by my mother. So I got that sex education background from a very young age. So, you know, I wasn't uh, put off or turned off or scared of things sexual. I was told that it's a natural part of life and, you know, just take care of yourself and take care of your partners. And I think that that's something that's definitely contributed to the different aspects of what I do today. I've always been interested in sports, always been interested in athletics. And, you know, that's another aspect of what I do. I own a gym called Body Altitudes in Palm Harbor, Florida. 
always been interested in education, always been interested in music. Music is my first love. Very interesting, man. So can you go into what was going on in your life, I guess, in your later teen years and in your early 20s? <laughs> I was getting kicked out of my house <laughs> in my in my late in my late teens. I got kicked out when I was 17 and I had a, a friend, she was a dancer, she danced down in Philly and somebody had approached her and was like, hey, you know, we would love to get you in, in a porn magazine. And she wanted to do it, but she just didn't want to do it with a stranger. So she reached out to me because we used to mess around in high school and she was like, hey, when you turn 18, we're going to do this. <laughs> we're gonna do this this magazine because she knew what I was working with we had rapport you know we had been intimate with one another before and she said she didn't want anybody's random dick in her face so at least she know the dick in her face you know and at the time since I was you know bouncing around and stuff like that a lot of my friends they were doing engaged in all kinds of other illegal activity and I was like well this is an opportunity to make money it's legal I love sex I love women uh, and I need to make some money to survive. So that was like my first introduction into the adult entertainment industry. I think it was, it was good money for, you know, like two hours work. And I was just like, okay, I could do this and not have to stand out on the street corner and worry about police or stick-up kids. This sounds way better. <laughs> so, you know, from there, uh, late teens and early 20s, primarily in New York, I was doing live sex shows, different different kind of fetish things. Uh, that's how I first got my start, you know, doing dom work. Uh, did a lot of, like, uh, bull cuckolding sessions, a lot of private parties, dancing, or, you know, like, private stroke shows or sex shows and things like that. And that's pretty much what my late teens and early 20s was, besides, you know, I guess, like, random jobs and things like that. Okay, so we've got a lot to explore. So let's first talk about that first time that you did a live sex show. As you said, you know, you had a friend. She was like, I want a familiar dick in my face. You know, are you available? Well, with, with her, with her, it wasn't a live sex show. With her, it was like just the magazine. And the magazine oh, okay. wasn't, wasn't hardcore. It was kind of like, you know, all the insinuation, like your tongue is out next to her vagina but you're not really eating out or whatever so that was that was my first experience in, in adult entertainment was you know just we were in a motel on one and nine in uh in Broadway, new jersey and it was nice i mean i got paid like three four hundred dollars for like two hours work so i really wasn't mad at it and i knew her already but i think I, i've always been an exhibitionist like going back uh, whenever I, I've always been an exhibitionist I've always been bold I've always been like yo if there's something I want to do I'm like I was a kid that used to walk on the on the roof of our building along the edge of our building and everybody else would be scared I'd be like nah I'm not afraid of heights you know I always like to push limits and things like that so I think I got a thrill from it the first time we did it like most people can't do this you know and I think that it gave me like a nice little adrenaline rush. So then when it came down to the uh, the live sex show, it was the first time I ever did a live sex show. 
I got I was so turned on just from people watching me. Like I, I love to be watched. It's probably that's my biggest fetish. That's interesting. So okay, so how did this first live sex show end up happening and uh, can you take us into what was going on in your mind uh, as you were getting ready for it and as you were there you know in front of the people performing well the first one that i ever did was i think at the time it was like aol or something like that i don't i don't even remember what the website was and it was in a chat room and you know, people just post in chat rooms for like uh, models or whatever. And I was probably looking for somewhere to dance and trying to promote like private parties and stuff. And somebody reached out. They emailed me back and was like, I would love to see you fuck. And, you know, I had wanted to do, you know, I had dreams of porn, of being in porn probably since I was a kid or whatever. So I was like... Well, are you recording it? This, that, and the other. I'm like, no, I don't want to record it. Just want to see you and a girl have sex. Do you want to touch? Show all that kind of stuff. No, just want to watch. First time ever doing this. So I had a a friend. She was, you know, uh, into all kinds of different things. I was like, hey, you want to make some money? This guy is willing to pay us like a thousand dollars to watch us have sex. She was like, sure. So. First time we did it was motel, and went by pretty smoothly. You know, um, that was my first like real time doing it. But you know, I had met somebody through trying to be involved in porn who kind of took me under her wing. I wrote a song about her called Angel Dust on uh, one of my previous albums and basically we were trying to work for this one company we met this is like the craziest night of my life actually we met at a halloween party in south jersey somewhere and one of the people who the person whose house it was the producer she was trying to meet new talent somebody was bringing me there to you know show them what i can do or whatever and I'll never forget, as soon as I get there, I should have known, like, this was going to be an insane night. I took one of my boys, not involved in porn, huge porn fan, but, like, he was just not trying to be in it or nothing. I was just like, you got to come with me. I've never been to anything like this before. I was probably 19 years old or something like that. And <laughs> we traveled down there. As soon as I get to the door, the woman opens the door. and She's like, oh, is this the guy to the gentleman that had brought me down there? He was like, yeah. And she was like, let me see your dick. So me being an exhibitionist, I am. Go right ahead and do it. And this woman just starts, like, giving me head in the foyer of her house in front of all of her guests. And, you know, at the time, like I said, this is my first time at this kind of event. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is crazy. So we go through the night. And they were actually filming a scene, a girl-on-girl -girl scene that night. And it was two women. And everybody's just like, they're watching in their Halloween costumes. So it's already a trippy experience. We're in this beautiful mansion, people full of Halloween costumes, two women 
having sex on the floor in the living room with cameras and everything. And my boy, out of nowhere, <laughs> he just gets the, I don't know, it's like he got the ghost or something. He got his porn ghost. And he just starts trying to direct. Like, he's like, no, 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 this is no good. You got to put your head here. You got to put your arm here. You got to do this. You got to do that. He was Puerto Rican guy from the Bronx or whatever. So it was like, at that point, everybody was just like completely infatuated with the two of us like me for talent and him for just being as bold and crazy as he was and from there one of the one of the women that was in the scene she wanted me to uh kind of like come under her wing and she would start trying to get me work and she was the first person that started hiring me to do like private parties and private shows for people and she was actually the first person that i worked with for For a, um, for a live show, so it was it was really interesting at, at the time, you know, to just be young and and brand new to all of this. And at the time, I wasn't I wasn't doing music at the time. I was just writing it, just writing down anything that I could think of or experience at the time, and just trying to keep my head above water and pay bills. But uh, all of it for me, it was nice adrenaline rush and it was a turn on because you know I, I guess I can't say it enough like when people are watching and are inspired to you know they might not have sex with me or whatever but like they go home and make better love to their to their partner or shit go and take care of themselves like to me that's just a turn on if you could if you could bring and heighten someone else's sexual energy that's, that's what I love about what we do. So let's also discuss, um, I'm going through everything that you said that you've been doing, which is an amazing list, man. And it's, it's very impressive that uh, you're sort of taking all this stuff that you've been doing uh, in person and now you're on your way to uh, doing it on film, which I think is really interesting. But uh, going back into your past, so you did live sex shows you did uh, masturbation shows and then you also got into sort of the world of being a dom and cuckolding how did that experience come about because it's very different well i would say it's very different sort of performing for people versus doing something that's a little bit more intimate and a little bit more in the realm of fetishes and a little bit more private such as uh you know being a dom and uh, cuckolding a couple well with that i think it's um it was just kind of like a natural thing for me i'm naturally sexually dominant so I think just from being around in, you know, in the world, in, in the adult entertainment world, you meet people into all types of different things, all types of fetishes, all types of different lifestyles. And the first time I ran into that, it was just basically like somebody just being like, I would love to uh, have you do a scene with my wife. It was for, it was for a website. And, you know, it was like, it was a legitimate website, you know, testing and all that, condoms, everything. And he was like, I would love for you to do a scene with my wife. And, you know, I'm still young. So I'm like, your wife, you, sh you sure? That's okay. You know, like, it, then 
they started explaining to me what the website was about. It was my first ever introduction to cuckolding. I'd never heard of it before in my life. And I was just like, well, this is what, this is what it is. This is what our site is about. And especially, you know, uh, when it comes to the interracial stuff, it really gave me a whole interesting perspective. I mean, if we, if you, if you want to get into the whole science of it all and, and the politics behind it, it's, it's real, it's real interesting, you know? Um, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. And I was a natural at it. You know, I had no problem telling somebody else what to do. I was already comfortable with people watching me and I had no problem showing somebody why their wife was deserving of something better than them and that I was the one to give it to her. So while all this is going on, you're also doing a bit of exotic dancing, correct? No, uh, a little bit, but not much. I didn't really start dancing at parties until recently. Okay. How did that transition happen? More, Was it more, a natural transition? <laughs> Honestly, I had I had left the uh, the business for for a few years because I started doing uh, doing some doing some work with uh, youth who you know were uh, coming out of prison or had court ordered community service and things like that. And I mean, that's one of my other passions because, you know, I dropped out of school when I was 15 years old. I was kicked out of my house. I got a lot of trouble when I was younger. So I like trying to work with kids to try and tell them, you know, there's a lot of other options in the world and there's a lot of other things that you can do. So, you know, with, with that kind of work, sometimes people are extremely afraid of, like people will watch porn, but they don't want to actually meet a porn star a lot of times. You know, you know what I'm saying? Or think that that porn star has some kind mm -hmm. of life similar to their own. Uh, like, I remember there was this whole controversy with Sasha Gray maybe like five years ago because she wanted to go to L.A. schools and read children's books to kids. Like, regular children's books. It's not like she was showing yeah. up reading them excerpts from Playboy or something. She was just there to read them kids' books, put a smile on kids' face, go home. Kids don't know what she does for for a profession, but the parents do. Which says something about the parents, you know, because, you know, for a lot of the people in our world, only people who watch know who the stars are. So, you know, at the time I had left the business for a while, and then unfortunately, you know, all kinds of budget cuts and I, I lost my job. So I had a, a, another friend, she sold sex toys and all kinds of stuff and, and did pleasure parties at women's homes and things. And one of her friends said that it was her birthday and they wanted to get a stripper for their birthday. So I know a lot of females. So I was like, oh, you know, one of my homegirls will do it or something. She's like, no, I want a man. I was like, uh, I'll do it. Just thinking like I could use the money. She was like, you know, sure. She knows that I had, she knows what I had done in regards to adult entertainment, like live shows and things like that. And I said, I'm going to bring my own flavor to it. I'll make sure that it's something that's, that is different, make your birthday special. And then what happened from there was uh, everybody had a good time and enjoyed themselves. So they convinced uh, my homegirl to keep doing parties. You know, like, yo, y'all should do like a party a month or a party every other week. And he just started bringing girls to her house 
to buy sex toys and then I would do dances and all of that. And that's actually when I started developing my, my erotic touch massage technique. So instead of just doing private dances, I would do sensual massages that involve everything from the dancing to different fetishes to restraints, fire, ice, you know, candle wax, restraints, sensory deprivation, all kinds of different things involved in a massage that make it romantic, that make it sensual, and that's eternal. And then the parties just started getting more popular. And my massage services started getting more popular. And that's when I linked up with uh, Jet Set and Jasmine and we've been doing fantasy flight parties all over the country, doing a lot of different kinds of work. That's really interesting, man. That's quite the story. So where did the King Noir persona come from? How did you come up with that name? Well, I never was into women calling me daddy or poppy. Just my personal thing. I know your name is Poppy, so it's good now we don't have the same name. Exactly. You know? <laughs> but I mean, like, for me, I was never into that. I was never, when I would do my down work, I was never into being called master. To me, I, I, I was just like, I'm your king. Because your king knows how to rule you. And it just kind of stuck. People will call me king. You know, and also, just like in the street, peace brother, peace king, you know, it would just kind of, it just kind of stuck with me. And the noir part came from a conversation with a, a fellow masseuse who was, she was helping me to develop my massage menu. And I wanted to call my company Sensual Black or Sensual something. And she was like, you should make it French because all French things are beautiful and romantic. So we said noir. And we... You know, the male version of Noir is N-O-I-R. So we put it at the, with the feminine, N-O-I-R-E. So it's like, I'm a king, but I'm still here to serve the woman, to still here to please the woman. You know, I think a lot of times when people think of domination and the fetish world and things like that, they just think of punishing people and hurting people. And, and I don't think that, that what it's, that's what it's really about. To me, it's about trust. Do you trust me to be in control of you? Do you trust me to be able to help you reach the highest possible points of your, of your desire? To make you feel the way you've never felt before? You know, a lot of people, they think of like spanking. Like most, most of my clients like to get spanked. That is not a punishment for them. They enjoy it very much. So there's different ways to punish somebody than, than something physical. You know, it's, to me, that's that's why I say for me, it's something natural. I didn't like, I don't have to do the walk around in leather and chains and all this kind of stuff to try to prove that side of myself because it's inherently who I am. So it's like with the King of the War, it's not so much uh, a different persona, uh, different persona, so to speak. It's, it's a part of who I am. It's not a it's not a separate thing. Like I think a lot of times when people in the music world find out that this is what I do, they become uncomfortable. But I've never lived in a world where sex is separate from who I am as a human being or from my music or 
just from my everyday life. You know, sex is why we're all here. If you break it down to the most basic human elements besides, you know, drinking water and eating, it's what ensures the survival of our species. But we're lucky enough to be able to feel good when we engage in it. So why not make it an art form? Why not make it something beautiful? Why not be able to enjoy it to its utmost? And I think that that's what, like for me, I want my life to be art. The day I die and I'm gone and someone looks back at what my life was, they can say, wow, he lived his, his life artistically in every single aspect. Music is an art form. Sex is an art form for me. We've discussed the various sides of uh, your adult work, but let's focus in on the uh, BDSM fetish dom side of what you do. How did you get into the world of fetishes? Because doing live sex shows and, and exotic dancing and uh, you know doing cam shows where you're stroking and that kind of thing is very different than uh, taking mm-hmm. on the BDSM dom lifestyle. You know, it's very different than cuckolding. So how did you get into the realm of fetishes? Well, I mean, a fetish is anything non-sexual that we make sexual. All of every single human being on the planet has a fetish. Whether they've opened up to it or want to admit it, that's a different story. But we all have fetishes, whether it's a, you know, you know, a foot or a shoe, you know, something so simple that, that I guess is now somewhat more mainstream. You know, something so simple as that, you know, people have these small fetishes. For me, my introduction into the world was definitely through my first experiences uh, working in the cuckolding mm-hmm. realm of, you know, you're, you're dominating somebody. You're dominating two people, actually. You know, and that was my, my opening to that. And then actually from there is when it kind of just rolled into people being like, okay, well, I saw that you do this. I'm interested in you and your partner dominating me specifically. And this is what my, these are what my hard limits are. And this is what I would like to experience. And I started off working with, uh, with a woman who was a dominatrix and we would basically own people. And they would pay for sessions, and the session might range from, you know, tickling to torture to body worship, restraints, gags, all kinds of different things. And, it, and it's just like through, through time and experiencing more and more and seeing more of what people are into has now enabled me to help people bring out their fetishes, whether it be someone who's interested in being dominant, submissive, or a switch, and helping them bring that to the forefront of who they are. You know, um, when it comes to the fetish training realm, I think with everything, with all aspects of life, people like to put things into a box. Like, if if it's not in leather and a, and a zippered up mask, then it's not true BDSM. Or if this person doesn't speak in this kind of 
way or, or act in a particular manner, then it's not. But ultimately, in regards to sex, everybody has these these responses to certain stimulus. You know, even even if it's just getting your hair pulled, getting your ass smacked, well, that can open you up to candle wax. That can open you up to, you know, getting tied up, handcuffs, all kinds of different things. So that I think that one step was just kind of like, uh, it just became a natural progression over time. In your personal life, do you get into the, the same kind of fetishes? Is this something that you strictly do for, you know, for your business, for, you know, for, you know, whether it's the, you know what I'm saying, for, do you do this? Mm -hmm. Do I do it for kicks too? Like, there you go, exactly. Do you do this in your personal life? Is um, this something that you also enjoy in your personal life? Is this something that you focus sort of more when you are asked to dom? Or are you the type of person that gets into, you know, kinks, uh in your personal bedroom i don't think i would be as good as i am with my business if i wasn't into it personally you know um i've been into tying women up since as far back as i could possibly remember you know i've, I've always been into like the art of it or you know it's it's always been like a certain a certain beauty to uh, surrender and trust for me. Because, you know, a lot of people, they, they think, you know, just if someone is submissive, then they're just getting bossed around. But a submissive has a lot of power at the same time because you're telling someone, you know, I'm giving you this trust. If you break this trust, then what? You know, I, I've spoken to a lot of people who've had bad experiences with doms and dominatrixes. You know, and it's because those people misused their power or didn't understand the uh, the transference of power that they were given. You know, so like for me in my personal life, it's always like the the massage that I do called um, Fire and Ice. It's with hot wax and, and, and uh, ice cubes. Like that was something I thought of because it was something I did in my personal life. You know, so... I definitely believe in keeping your mind open sexually and exploring things with your partner or whatever you're doing that's safe, you know. And I think that that only adds on, adds on to the business aspect of things like uh, doing a doing a stroke video or a, you know a live stroke at a party or something like that is. I have been practicing for a long time. <laughs> you know, it's like I think that it's uh, it's such a part of who I am that even in regards to the business aspect of things, it's, it's what I love to do. Very cool, man. Very enlightening. I'm loving uh, sort of getting into the mind of an adult entertainer that's not necessarily the typical adult entertainer that uh, the listeners are used to learning about. You know, you aren't necessarily just a porn star you aren't necessarily just an exotic dancer there's all these different uh as i said you know all these different sexual hats that you wear and uh that you put on to help satisfy your clients which is very interesting man major props 
Thank you very much. I mean, ultimately, I think uh, I'm a pleaser. I definitely uh, enjoy in, in, in all aspects of life, even, even not just sexually. You know, like, I love to cook, for example. I love cooking for my family. Seeing people full with a smile on their face makes me feel good. In regards to music, when I perform, if somebody feels good at the end of that show, I feel good. You know, it's just in life, I feel that life is hard, man. Life is a struggle. So, however we can ease not only our own pain, but our fellow human beings' pain as well. I mean, that's there's no other higher calling in life, I feel. Very cool, man. So, well, right now, why don't we please the listeners? Because I'm sure that there's a question that uh, they're dying to know. It's the time for the big question, a question that I'm sure a lot of the listeners that are tuning in and your supporters out there might be curious to know. How much is King Noir packing? <laughs> I got a very thick nine and some change. So let's move into uh, some serious territory right now and talk about some of the issues that you face by doing the work that you do. And uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is family, because you mentioned family and you mentioned how in your early life, I mean, you know, learning about sex was second nature. I mean, because of your mom and her profession that, you know, it just, you were exposed to this world of sexuality very early on in your life. So does your family know about your career in adult entertainment and how do they feel about it? I think everybody knows now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, my, my family knows about it. I mean, my, my family is really just my mother and my close circle of friends who are like family. So they, they know about it. Uh, my mother thinks it's cool what we do with fantasy flight parties and like we do work with couples and help couples have better sex and all this kind of stuff. So she, she thinks it's awesome actually. She thinks it's really cool. Would I, would I ever show her a video? Hell no. But it's cool that she's supportive, you know. Um, You know, some of my friends were at first like, oh, shit, you do what? You know, and I'm sure there's some whispers here and there. But honestly, I'd rather you hate me for who I am than love me for who I ain't. You know, like, this is who I am. Anybody who doesn't, you know, want to rock with it or it's not for them, that's fine. You know, live your life. I'm going to live mine and... My life isn't about stepping on anybody's toes, so go about your business, I go about mine. But it really hasn't hasn't caused any um any particular issues in my family. Let's talk about your faith. You are Muslim and you are in this world of sex and sexuality and eroticism. For you, like how Difficult is it to balance your life as a man of a particular faith and the the type of work that you do in adult entertainment? Mm. Uh, well, I'm not very religious. Um, I'm spiritual. I've learned from 
everything, you know, uh, all different faiths and religions. For me, it's always been about being honest with who you are, no matter what that is. Only God could judge you at the end of the day. For being Muslim, you know, a lot of people of the Muslim faith, it's not for them. You know, some people are not happy. And it's unfortunate because when you think about sexuality, it doesn't mean that you have to have sex with everyone. You know, and I say this all the time, just because we're talking about BDSM or we're talking about fetishes or porn or whatever, it doesn't mean you have to have sex with anyone besides your husband or your wife. You can engage in all of these fun things with your partner in a safe environment. I think in Islam, at times as well, in Catholicism, people feel like, oh my, like I've had people say things like this to me before. Like, I can't do that with my wife. She kisses my, my kids with that mouth. Okay, but you're going to do it with your mistress or a woman on the side? To me, that's even worse in regards to faith. You know, um, to me, honesty is the greatest quality. So if you can't be honest with yourself, you're not going to be honest with your partner. You have to tell them what you like and engage in what they like and find some kind of ebb and flow for it. And I think a lot of times when people get really dogmatic in religion, they're unable to look past certain things to understand how to apply different things in the world into their religion. Instead, they want to force their religion onto the other things in the world. Also on top of that, you and I might not believe the same thing and we might be in the same religion, reading the same book. Every human being has free will, free thought, different ideas, and we all interpret things different ways. So instead of trying to put someone else down or shame them for who they are or what they're about, live your example and let them live theirs. And hopefully, God, Allah, Yahweh, Jah will have mercy on us if, if deemed so. That's how I look at it. I, I find... In, in, in a lot of aspects, not even just just religion, you know, you have so many people who try to tell other people how to live their lives, but sure as hell don't want somebody to tell them how to live theirs. And I think sex is such a touchy topic for people because we have all of these forces from the time that we're a child that start to shape our ideas of sex. You know, we live in a country where sex is sold to us ad nauseum, like 24-7. And I'm not talking about pornography. You kind of have to search for pornography. I'm talking about when you just look on the television, on a regular TV station, a commercial for Sprite or whatever. Things that don't even have nothing to do with sex. They sell you sex with it. But then at the same time, a woman breastfeeds in public and people are telling her there's something wrong with that when that's just life it's just natural you know or 
You have people telling women what to do with their bodies one way or the other. That's their decision. You don't want them telling you how to live yours. And then we also see now at this point this huge uh, debate over gay marriage. I can't understand how you could tell someone not to love someone. And that may and someone is loving someone and that's the crime. Not you telling them not to love someone. If God is about love, then you should be promoting that love for whoever they have. So I think a lot of times people are so stuck in, in dogmatic practices, whether it be in regards to religion or in regards to society to not really just look at it for what it is that every single person here is an individual. We got to live together here. So at the same time, you can't try and force somebody to do anything they don't want to do. Cause you don't want anybody doing that to you. I hope I answered your question. I know I kind of went off in a couple of different directions though. No, you did man. Very good answer. You've been bringing it with the answers tonight. And uh, I can't wait to hear your answer to this question because it's kind of related in the sense that you're living a dichotomy. You are mainstream, but you're also adult. Which, in my opinion, adult is mainstream. Porn is a part of pop culture, and I think people are sort of finally realizing that but you are kind of dipping your toes in two very different worlds at least they think that they're very different worlds there's the music side of you the hip-hop side the rapper side the you know the lyricist side of you and then there's this uh, erotic persona that is doing live sex shows that's you know stroking that's doing all of this stuff in the fetish realm uh, that's also trying to do actual hardcore porn for you living in these two worlds like how difficult has it been for the world of hip-hop to accept you because of this other side of you that's also a part of you <laughs> definitely makes a lot of people uncomfortable you know, um, it's been interesting to me because it's like uh, in hip hop, people will accept, you know, a certain kind of misogyny and will completely talk about porn and this, that, and the other. But then when they find out somebody's doing it, it's kind of like the same situation that I spoke of earlier in regards to Sasha Gray, it's like when people then find out that this person is existing in their world as well, then it's kind of like, oh shit. I'm, I'm, they, and, and I think also because the style in which I do my adult entertainment, we definitely do a lot of things in regards to women's empowerment. You know, uh, Jasmine and I go and speak at uh, abused women's shelters and talk about reclaiming and regaining uh, confidence and, and sexuality. Because a lot of people don't really realize, you know, when somebody is, is abused physically, even if it's not a sexual abuse, you know, you start to believe that abuser who told you you were ugly. You start to deny yourself enjoying your beauty and your own sexuality. 
even after you might have gotten out of this situation. You know, um, so, you know, in the misogyny area at times, too, because even in my music, I'm not out there calling women bitches and hoes. That's not me. I don't do that in my day life, so I don't do that in my rap life. My music, in, in regards to sexuality, when it comes to music, it's very essential, it's sexual. Deal with romance, deal with relationships, but it's not disrespectful. You know, uh, the song that I have on, on my new album, Life in Black and White, Mile High Club, the chorus is treat her like a queen, fuck her like a porn star. And when we were on tour, I was just recently on tour with Immortal Technique and Talib Kweli all across the country, and I was performing this song. And, you know, every night I would say, you know, where the ladies at, they make their noise or whatever, and I'd be like, how many women in here want to be treated like a queen? It would make so much noise. How many women want to be fucked like a porn star? And it would make so much noise, and they would love it. Dudes would be, like, stuck. It was really interesting to watch. It was like, to me, my favorite social experiment of the entire performances that I would do. Because it's like a lot of times, just like I was saying before, you know, we have that Madonna whore complex in our mind. Like, you know, this is my wife. You know, I guess most people think, you know, missionary through a hole in the sheet will cut it, but it's not. Your wife is probably a million times nastier than you can ever believe. She wants to do all that shit that you want to do and more. So explore it together, you know, and, and, and all of it to me, it's all connected. You know, you don't have to go out and have sex with a million people to fuck like a porn star. To me, well, what we do in adult entertainment is, like I said, to me, I speak for myself. I believe it's art. You know, we're going to put on a show. It's like the difference between going to the, your local basketball court and then going to the Staples Center and watching Kobe Bryant play ball. It's going to be a little bit different, you know, but there's no reason that you shouldn't aspire to play like that. You know, so I think with, with the music stuff, like some people, it, it completely turns them off. They're like, I don't know how this guy can talk about you know, politics, and then go make a porn movie, which to me is retarded because all human beings have so many aspects. It's like what porn stars shouldn't vote. You know, end of the day, that that that's what it boils down to to me. You know, and um, end of the end of the song, I will always ask these questions. I'm like, yo, make noise if you know what a G spot is. Everybody makes mad noise. Make noise if you know what uh what an A spot is. Very little noise. Make noise if you know what a U spot is. No noise. And I'd be like, well, how many of y'all watch squirting videos out there? And people would make a lot of noise. It's like, so you watch, but you don't learn. You don't know about the human body. So how can you fully enjoy sex? You know, it's like, you're scared. Don't be afraid. These are things that we should know. These are things that we should be involved in, engaged in. Discussions are okay. It's all right to talk about sex. We're adults at a at a at a venue that's 21 and up, and y'all scared to talk about sex. But y'all, pretty much everybody in there admits to watching porn. It's it's really really interesting.
you know, so to me, there's no separation of saying treat a woman like a queen. You should treat a woman like a queen. You should love your, your partner to the utmost and take amazing care of her just as she should treat you like a king. But when you get into the bedroom, if you're boring, she ain't going to be a queen very long, so you should fuck her like a porn star, you know? And I think uh, in regards to hip-hop, everybody has something, you know? His cast coming off the street from hustling or internet nerds or whatever it is. There's a fucking niche for everything in regards to hip-hop. So for people who feel uncomfortable, go find the boring stuff that you enjoy. Me, I'm going to be as honest as can possibly put on wax. And to be honest, you have to speak about all aspects of who you are. King is bringing it with the answers, man. I appreciate it. So, good grief, man. I'm loving the answer, so I, I can't wait to hear your answer to this question. Because of the work that you are doing in adult entertainment, how difficult is it to try to develop a romantic relationship? I don't find it hard at all, to be honest. Um, for me, I believe you can only love someone for who they are. Most relationships fail if people try to mold somebody into something they're not. So in regards to dating or being in a romantic relationship now in my life, it's the same as it ever was. It's like uh, if you were dating somebody and she's a doctor, you're going to be mad when she's on call. You shouldn't be dating the fucking doctor. Then. <laughs> you know? Um, you you can only date people for who they are. What their profession is is part of who they are, usually. You know, so if you have a problem dating me, knowing that I'm, I don't know, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday nights, I'm gonna be stripping down for for uh, for a party or something like that. Then I'm not the guy for you, and you're clearly not the woman for me. I think it's pretty simple on that one. Let's move away from the serious questions and let's discuss some of the things that you're dipping your toes in right now. You just signed with an adult uh, industry agency, so you're actually going full bore in trying to get some work in the adult industry, in the porn world. What sort of brought on your decision to go from like doing these shows and 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 whatnot and actually like officially doing hardcore porn in the adult industry was it just a natural progression yeah i mean we started filming uh royal fetish films about a year or some change ago and it got an amazing response i, I did a a video called Solo Stroke that we put it on Night Flirt and got a whole lot of downloads. And then Jasmine and I actually started doing some of the fetish training and posting that on there as well. And it was getting a whole lot of hits. So we had uh, interviewed Phil Verone on one of our radio shows. We have a radio show called The Mile High Club. 
and he actually featured us in one of his uh, one of his vivid swingers videos, uh, Swingers Tampa Bay, and it won like an Xbiz Award and an AVN and all this other stuff. And I wasn't having sex on camera; I was just doing a massage. And Jasmine was showing him how to use different toys and things like that. And he was just like, I would love to get you on some stuff, King. And that's kind of how it happened. So I signed with the V agency recently, and I, I feel all special. They threw me on the AVN and the Xbiz homepage and stuff. And it's funny because I was on tour at the time, so people on tour are like, yo, what the fuck? I saw you on AVN's page. So it was kind of cool, like to have the two worlds kind of come together at a good time. Exactly, man. So, what are your goals overall now that you have officially joined the adult industry, the adult entertainment industry, the porn industry? Goal-wise, hmm. I think my my brain just started moving way too fast just now. Now, I, I really want to uh, just bring my unique style to it. You know, I think just the same as music. You know, everybody's got a voice, and and I want I want my voice to ring out in the adult entertainment industry. I want to do, you know, try some things that that are a little bit different, but then also put my own stamp on some on some time tested. You know, sometimes tested favorites. Like I really, I really am looking forward to showing people what I could do in regards to solo videos and things like that because I've done so many performances that it's when I do it, it's not just like, yeah, I'm just stroking myself. You know, it's there's something more to it. So I, I think that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to uh, getting my work out there with, and then also just you know working with talented people in the industry you know ultimately taking over the world though I'm always on my pinky and the brain stuff very nice man so let's talk about the musical side of uh, King Noir how would you describe your musical sound oh that's a good one for me I like to tell people that it's like modern day spirituals Like street gospel, really. You know, I've I've just experienced so many things, and it's opened my eyes to just the beauty of the world, the ugliness of the world, and like just really trying to make music for people's souls. Sound wise, I mean, I, I grew up listening to uh, a lot of soul. A lot of jazz, hip hop, doo you know. So like, my music is my music is a good gumbo. Like anything I hear, no matter where I hear it, I like to add it on to my sound. It's like there's there's nothing there's nothing in the world like making music. It's the most free I ever feel. Where can the listeners get the chance to hear? 
your music? Where can they find your music on the web? You've actually provided us some tracks that uh, we have been spinning here on Poppy Chula Radio, and hopefully we'll be getting some more of your music into our heavy rotation. But uh, where else can the listeners get the chance to hear your musical sound? And uh, is it under the King Noir name? Is it under a different name? Uh, it's under my real name, which is Hassan Salam. You can go to HassanSalam.com. You can go to, well, basically, you could just Google me and it'll pop up because it's on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, CD Baby, uh, pretty much anywhere that you could, fu- you could uh, find music. I'm there. I do it all independently. You know, I'm not signed by a major label. I put out a lot of albums on my own. We actually released an album a few years ago called Music Is My Weapon. And all the profits and proceeds of that album went to build a school, a freshwater well, and a medical clinic in Guinea-Bissau, West Africa. So, you know, we use the music to do to do real things. You know, um, for seven years strong, we ran a food and clothing drive in, in, in my home in Jersey City, New Jersey. You know, I, I believe in giving back to the community and trying to build something, trying to build a better world, you know? I like that, man. Very cool. Congratulations and major props on that. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I actually, I just released a new album called Life in Black and White. And to me, it's my best work to date. It's extremely personal. And I feel like there's a song for every moment on there you know life is a roller coaster you can't just make the same song over and over again there's something for everything you know i talk about my relationship with my father the passing of my grandmother uh some of my favorite times like you know some family reunion type stuff and then you know just dealing with a lot of the issues that are going on in the world right now i have that song i was just talking about mile high club treat her like a queen fuck her like a porn star uh, I think I think I sent you a whole bunch of stuff. So you know anything, anything that you play for everybody that's out there listening, just know that comes from my soul, and it's and it's hundred percent honest. I like the sound of that, man. Very Thank nice. You. You're welcome. As we start wrapping things up, I have this list of uh, five questions that are pop culture oriented that are designed to allow the listeners and your fans and supporters that are tuning in right now to get to know some of your favorites. Here's the first question in this set. What are five of your most favorite television shows? Of all time? It can be of all time or it can be your current favorites. It's up to you. Okay. Uh, I'll go with all time just because not watching much TV these days. Uh, the Wire, Breaking Bad, A Different World, The Sopranos, and Californication. Good choices. Who are four of your all-time favorite music artists? John Coltrane, Tupac, Curtis Mayfield, Shade. Another great list. Next up, what are three of your most favorite films? Do the Right Thing, Fight Club, 
and Godfather Part Two. What are two foods you can't live without? <laughs> Steak, like grilled. See now I'm, I'm gonna get hungry, uh, <laughs> and I'm a I'm a big fan of sushi. And since we're on the topic of food, since you mentioned that you cook, what's your specialty? Smoked turkey with black-eyed peas. Now that sounds good. Uh, uh, party over at yes, uh, King yes. Noir's house after the interview, listeners. <laughs> Absolutely. And the final question in the set is, what is one of your guilty pleasures? Hmm. I don't really feel guilt with most of my pleasures or any of them that I could think of. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I really feel guilt when I'm being pleased. That's a tough one. Every now and again, there's this, this uh, spot by my house and they make a uh, Red velvet cake gelato. Mm. And since I'm always on my fitness tip and, and I, I eat very clean, so I definitely feel guilty before and after since <laughs> you know, I don't eat ice cream very often. But yeah, I, I guess that would probably be the only one, but it's, it's the most amazing thing you've ever tasted in your life. Mostly if you, if you like red velvet cake, on one level, that's just amazing. And then you add the gelato to it. It's through the roof. Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see King Noir in five years? Where do you see your brand in five years? I would like to do a lot more uh, training with, with couples. And also... Speaking more to, you know, like we do in the abused women's shelters, I, I think men need to hear a lot of the things that we speak on. You know, I, I think from an early age, women talk to girls about you're coming into your sexuality, this is how you take care of your body, this is what sex is going to mean to you. I, I think that's a more natural conversation. You know, with men, there's still that puffing your chest out. You know, like, yeah, go out there and fuck and da-da-da-da-da and then you'll be cool. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that's still too prevalent in conversations between men and our, and our sons or, or men and boys. You know, I think it's important for men to understand, you know, when we're kids, you know, what does it mean? What is, what is, you know, even if we just talk on the health aspects of it, like what is testicular cancer? How do you check for it? Most people don't even know still, even into their later years, you know, uh, but just talking about things for like uh, a lot of times we hear women referencing, you know, mother earth. So women feel a certain connection uh, their children they, they feel a, a connection to their sexuality so they they do hold on to it in a different kind of way with men it's kind of like you know just go out there and do 
but they don't understand like if if a woman is the earth then what part is a man playing that if you're going to be the person to bring a seed to plant it in the earth then what helps the seed grow you know, if you're going to be the sunlight, then you have to actually be there. You have to learn to take care of yourself. You have to learn to be able to be a good father. You have to learn to be a good husband. You have to learn to be a good man. You, all these things. And, and I think that with the sensual training that we do, with the parties that we do and things like that, I think men need to be more open to it and couples as well. And, and I hope that we can grow in that way as well. And I, and I definitely see the brand growing. I see Royal Fetish Films growing and, and people becoming more receptive and, and open to their to their fetishes. I think that, <clears throat> like going back just a little bit when we were talking about, you know, people telling other people what to do, I find that straight people trying to oppress uh, lesbians, bisexuals, gays, you know, transgender, all all these different people that, that get oppressed sexually. I mean, women are oppressed sexually regardless of their orientation. It has to do with people are still not comfortable with their sexuality and who they are. So they're going to lash out at other people. Like when, you know, if two men are trying to get married and you're still afraid to say whatever's going on inside of you, you're going to lash out at them because they are being free. You know, most people try to stop other people's freedom because they don't feel free. So I think straight people need to have a whole campaign to come out of our own closets. You know, like if you're into BDSM, then be proud of that. Don't hide it from your family or from whoever. I mean, not that you have to just go outside and be that all the time, but don't hide it and then try to punish someone else for being themselves and being free and open about it. You know, if you're a swinger, then be a swinger. That's that's who you are. That's not something to be ashamed of. You know, if you like uh, getting paddled and this, that, and you have like, wear your freak flag, let it fly. It's okay. And hopefully that's one of the things that the brand will help people feel comfortable with and be more open about great words of advice from King Noir. So, King, what's next for you? What's next for King Noir in the summer and beyond? What can the listeners expect from you? Well, I know I'm going to be featured on Naughty Rotica, which is a amazing site from Narissa Irving that's going to be coming out. Uh, actually, I was featured for the massages and just explaining what erotic touch massage is I'm looking forward to that magazine coming out i'm going to be hopefully getting some filming done over the next little while so people will see you know all kinds of clips and things popping up with me back in the studio recording some more music traveling the country doing fantasy flight parties with jet set and jasmine and continuing to train people at Body Altitudes. It's going to be a busy summer. I'm doing a whole bunch of uh, male reviews and, and dancing at a few clubs in Tampa and all over the country, bouncing all over the place. So, you know,
know, definitely uh, look me up at King Noir on Twitter and Instagram, King Noir on Facebook. And you can find out more about Royal Fetish Films on, and Fantasy Flight Parties on JetSettingJasmine.com and HassanSalam.com for all my music. Sounds good, man. You actually just answered the question that I was going to ask. You know, how can your fans reach you? So uh, that's that good. That's that good media training right there. Exactly. So King Noir. This does bring us to the end of our first interview here on Poppy Chulo Radio and One on One with Poppy Chulo. Is there anything that you'd like to say to your fans and supporters that are tuning in right now? Thank you much for all your support. You know, uh, wouldn't be able to do this without you. You know, I'm I'm inspired by people who write to me or tweet me or, or whatever and just tell me what they're going through or hit me up and ask for some advice and all of that. Like that's that's what keeps my that's what keeps me motivated. And I really appreciate everybody that's that's been with me every step of the way and I'm looking forward to meeting all the new people too. Fantastic, man. Well I certainly want to thank you so much for the interview. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome, and as I said, you know, this is the first, hopefully, of many interviews here on the station where we can continue to track your progress in not only adult entertainment, but mainstream entertainment as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm here, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere, man, so you just got to let me know whenever you're ready for me. Sounds like a plan. And uh, listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning into One on One with Poppy Chulo. Tune in for brand new episodes of One on One with Poppy Chulo every Wednesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. You can download this episode and many more by visiting poppychuloradio.com forward slash archives. Registered users will gain access to the Poppy Chulo Radio archives of previously aired broadcasts. And with that, King Noir and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. Good night, y'all. Thanks for listening to One-on-One with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com or leave us a voicemail at 305-515-8620. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio and like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week. <laughs>